We're continuing our messages in the book of Joshua. And we thank the Lord for the fact that we have the privilege as New Testament believers to be able to look back with quite a degree of accuracy and look at what God was doing in the various people throughout the ages, all the way from the creation of the world, creation of man, and all the way through the bringing together of the nation of Israel, who became the repository of our Lord Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, the one who said, I am the bread of life. And as the prophesied Redeemer and Messiah, Messiah, who would come and set his people from our sins, we have this complete record in both the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. They're not two Bibles. They're not even smashed together. They are one revelation. And they all point in one way or another to the one purpose, to raise attention and spotlight our Lord Jesus Christ. And isn't it significant that even within the calendar, which I didn't really plan, but I thought this message, this Sunday, really should be focusing on what happened in Bethlehem. So not too far from Bethlehem, the story that we're continuing in the book of Joshua, we have a revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's who we're going to focus on this morning. Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We as human beings, this is our pursuit in life, right? Of course, we're given night and day, which God intended for us to work during the day and rest at night. Now, some of you who work night shift, I realize in our day and age, you're not sleeping when I'm sleeping, and I'm sleeping when you're not sleeping. And so, basically, our lives are centered around work and rest. Work and rest. Work and rest. That is a gift from our Creator God. Can you imagine having to work 24 hours a day? Well, some of you, yes, I do it all the time. But you can't do it forever and live. We are creatures of work. We're also creatures of rest. And Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hebrews is a book which tells us a lot about the interpretation of Scripture. And in some ways, quite a bit of Hebrews is a commentary on the Old Testament and specifically on the book of Joshua. Because the whole focus of Joshua is on the formation of a nation of people in the land. But here's the commentary. 
in Hebrews verses 8 and 9. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would have not spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Curious statement that the Sabbath rest is still remaining. So there remains the Sabbath rest for the people of God. Let's discover what that Sabbath rest is. So our title is Finding Rest. For the one who has entered into his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Meaning that when Jesus said, come to me all you who labor, find rest in me. He meant it, literally, find rest in him. And then, therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. We're going to talk later on a little bit about disobedience, but today I want to talk about the right steps toward rest. And our outline comes out of Joshua chapter 5. You know, last week I did a miserable job, but I got forgiven by my wife, and I'm asking your forgiveness last week also. But you know what? I think the timing was perfect for me to cover point A only, because B and C get better and better. That's not an English word, by the way. So we'll look at these verses today. The reproach of Egypt rolled away is a statement in verse 9, but it's in these three areas. All the kings of the Amorites and all the kings of the Canaanites heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed the Jordan River. We learned about that. And for those of you who are here hearing this for the first time, this was the second time that God had parted waters for the children of Israel to enter into the land. The first time was across the Red Sea. A very similar thing happened when they came to the Jordan River. And the timing of these things is very important. Prior to the crossing of the Red Sea, the first Passover was observed. When God instructed Israel that this night a death angel will come over the whole land of Egypt and those who obeyed, regardless of whether they were Israeli blood or Egyptian blood, those who observed the instruction of God put over the lintel and on the doorposts the blood of a slaughtered lamb. And I will send my death angel over Egypt and every household with that mark I will pass over. That's where we get the name. Passover. And not strike down the eldest son of that household. By the way, use this illustration I'm talking about right now to talk about Japan. There are signs all over Japan of a red lentil and two red posts at the gate 
of most Shinto shrines. Where did that come from? It came from the Bible. It came from Egypt. Incredible opportunity for us to talk about the coming of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, whose blood was placed on the lintel and the doorposts. Have you ever thought of that before? It's incredible. The signs that God gives us, and even a na nation like Japan, so that we have an opportunity to speak of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number two. And at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they stopped circumcising their sons. We talked about that last week. But there's something more important than the physical. It's the spiritual circumcision of the heart. And we're going to point to that. That is what's important. And that's what we talk about in terms of becoming a believer in Jesus Christ and having our sins cleansed and taken away. And then thirdly, then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will roll away the reproach of Egypt from you so that the name of that place, the place where they were camped, Gilgal to this day, which means a circle of stones or monument. And in every one of our lives, for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ and have received his forgiveness, our sins are taken away. Our hearts become circumcised. The flesh of our hearts it's talking about, the evil that comes out of our hearts is taken away. And there's a monument for Israel crossing the Jordan River. And there's a monument for us as well, who have come to that place of when we declare Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. And he removes from us our sin. And he will remember it no more. We may remember it and remember it over and over and over again. But coming to our Heavenly Father, who is all righteous, we have forgiveness through the shedding of the Lamb's blood. And as we've talked many, many times about the meaning of righteousness, another sign to us in the kanji of the kanji righteousness, when the Lamb over me, the Lamb over me, my Japanese brothers and sisters, you picture that, don't you? The lamb over me. Righteousness. It's in your language. It's an opportunity for us to share. Do you know why Jesus came? Because he was the lamb of God. He's the gate. And he cleanses and protects. And he's come into our lives and made us righteous. Even though I don't consider myself righteous, but in the name of Jesus, I am. And you are too. For those of you who have received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you are righteous. Does that bring a Merry Christmas to your heart? Is that a thankfulness that we can celebrate? That we stand 
free from condemnation, free in the blood of the Lamb. What a monument that we have. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. Jeremiah 4, 4. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskins of your heart. That's the source of sin. In Romans 2, 28, 29. For he who is not a Jew, who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter of the law, and his praise is not with men, but from God. And we who are in Jesus Christ as believers, we have this as a mark setting us apart as a peculiar people, as a different people. Just as Israel was set apart from all the other nations of the world, so we as believers in Jesus Christ have been set apart because of our belief in Jesus Christ who has cleansed our heart and made us pure by his blood. That's his mark on us. And it's not just for men, it's for everyone who believes. Now, I'm starting into new ground here. The first Passover in the Promised Land. While the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. On that day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. The manna ceased on that day after they had taken some of the produce of the land so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. God's promise that he would provide for his children is true. Whether it's our daily bread or it is the needs that we have, clothes and housing, he is our provider. He is the one who cares for us. There is rest in that. That's where we find rest, in our provider. That is his daily, daily gift to us. And of course, we all fall back into worry and, well, am I going to get fired in my job because I handed in the wrong document and it didn't have the proper signatures on it. We worry about those things. And God doesn't want us to be lazy, but he does want us to learn how to rest in his care for us, whatever it is. He's a practical God, very practical. And we, as his followers, need to not just bask in that, but believe and receive it and be at rest ourselves. And that's what our beginning verse said. There still remains a rest for the people of God. We need to learn how to rest in our Lord Jesus Christ and for what he's done for us. The new covenant, 
in the New Testament, I believe, was baptism. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What a sense of peace, completeness that we have in this new covenant. And those of you, we talked a week or so ago about baptism. And there have been some that have come and said, I want to be baptized. One of the best things that I know how to do properly as a pastor is to baptize. I love baptizing. Marriages or weddings, please don't ask me to, to marry you. But they're hard. But I love baptisms. I should just say, how many candidates do we have here this morning that haven't been baptized yet by a pastor who loves to dunk? Why? You know, it is very close to weddings in the sense of this is something that God recognizes and ordains. And so in some ways, when you get baptized, it's like being married to Jesus. You become recognized as the bride of Christ. Whether you're male or female, we're the bride of Christ. And what a privilege for me as a pastor to know that it's not about me, it's about Jesus and this person who's going into the water of baptism, submitting himself or herself to death, dying to self, and being raised up again, clean, and with a smile on your face, and with a lighter step in your life because of baptism. It's like the stones along the river. We came through the Jordan. The other is communion. And communion is second best of my things that I perform as a pastor. And I would love to do it just myself and just pass to each one of you and just be able to say, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. This is the two covenant signs that Jesus has given us. Baptism and communion. By the way, we do that on the first Sunday of the month. I wish that we do it every Sunday. But we do it on the first Sunday of the month. And I would admonish you, if you're a member, do not miss the first Sunday of every month because that is when we acknowledge that we are part of the body of Christ, one of each other, and of Christ himself, as the bride of Christ. And point C is the captain of the Lord's host. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, no, rather I indeed come now as the captain 
of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. First of all, going back to, to verse 13, what they had just done of crossing the Jordan River and the Lord backing up the waters of the Jordan River, how far back we don't know, but it must have been at least 12 hours to get about 2 million people across that small river. But what's a phenomenal decision is that Joshua and God and the children of Israel were not looking at the timing of the crossing. Do you know what I mean by that? This was the time of the Jordan to be flooded. And in some places, and possibly even where archaeologists think that they crossed, at that point, it might have been two miles wide, this tiny little river. Now, in the timing of things, this was the wrong time. You would think that Joshua, when the Lord says, it's time for you to cross, he would have said, that's craziness. Why don't we wait for a few weeks and then we'll cross and it will be easy. In fact, well, of course, the Jordan is a lot shallower now than it's ever been, according to what I've read. But it really was not that big a river. And it really wouldn't have been very hard to cross it, particularly where they crossed, which nation after nation of people marched across at about that spot. So why would God say, now is the time to cross? Why? To prove that he is God of his people and that he can get us through this barrier. And he's able in our lives to get through any problem, any enemy that is against us, anything that is against us seems to be the water's up to here and I'm, I'm overwhelmed. To prove that God is God. And so he asks his people to go across the Jordan. And then they get across and I don't know where Joshua is, except that it says he was by Jericho. And he was a pretty good commander, but there's a man standing opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua is on the alert. I mean, if someone was standing there with a sword in his hand in front of you, what would you do? He said, are you for us or against us? And the phenomenal answer is no. No what? No, I'm not for you nor against you. What does that speak of? What does that speak of? Who is this person? All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. Come to me and you will find rest. This was none other 
than Jesus Christ himself. He's not for the Jews. He's not for the Gentiles. He's for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what Christmas means. That's what it means that as the captain of the host of the Lord, he makes that declaration. And Joshua recognized immediately and fell on his face to the earth and asks, what has my Lord to say to his servant? And that's our response, right? I am his servant. I come to him humbly before him. He's my master. He's my Lord. And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Jesus is spoken of as the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6, 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. The Lord of hosts. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty Lord and Savior we have as our inheritance. We have a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Prophecy is fulfilled. Luke 2, 8 to 14. And in the same region there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in wrapping cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. The question is, how did they know? When they heard the angel say, you will find the baby lying in a manger, wrapped in cloths. The word that was used is wrapping cloths. We don't see babies in wrapping cloths. These wrapping cloths were for wrapping the lambs when they were born so that they wouldn't be injured. 
because these lambs were special lambs that only perfect lambs could be sacrificed on the altar in Jerusalem. And so when the shepherds heard that this baby was wrapped in wrapping cloths, immediately they knew the address for that manger. And so they went there and they found a baby and a mother. And there were no cows, there were no horses, there were no dogs, there was no cats. They were all sheep in this place. The Tower of Migdal, which is prophesied in Micah, talks about this tower. And that tower had a specific purpose for caring for the birthing of lambs for the temple right close to Jerusalem. Fascinating story. We never hear about that. We have Christmas trees instead. I suggest we put Migdal Towers and bring our presents there. But nonetheless, the story is true and verifiable. To God be the glory. And on earth, peace among men. Let's just bow our heads. It may be that you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And what a perfect time it would be for you to acknowledge this one who gave his life for you, that all your sins would be washed away and you'd be made clean and perfect. Jesus Christ came as the Lamb of God and took upon himself our sin and our sins so that we might be free from the condemnation of those sins and the judgment so that we could stand before a holy God. And it may seem to be unbelievable and that's hard to imagine, but it's true. And all of scripture points to the fact that Jesus Christ came as a baby, God on high, becoming man, so that he might walk in our shoes, that he might understand our weaknesses. And yet without sin himself, he went to the cross. And that's why we have a cross in front of our chapel. And that's why Israel had all these signs in their tabernacle, in the Ark of the Covenant, speaking of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Savior. Jesus loves each one of us in this room. He loves each one of those here in Japan. He loves everyone in this world. And he came to die for us. This would be like Jesus being born for the first time for us to receive him into our lives this Christmas. And you could say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Change me. Save me. Help me. And if there's anyone here this morning that that's in your heart, 
and you want to say for the very first time, I want to follow Jesus. I want him to cleanse me and to make me his own. If that is you, I would ask you to come to me after the service and just say, I want to receive Jesus. And I would be very happy to speak with you and pray with you. This would be Christmas in your heart. Father in heaven, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, for us. We need you. Oh, we need you. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.